To be the woman and the wife that God created you to be, you have to know how to walk by faith on the good days and on the dark days. Here's Barbara Rainey. Most people who have been through suffering, whether it's shallow, small things, or really deep, tragic things, can say on the other side, I didn't enjoy it, I didn't like it, but I knew God better as a result. And I've heard so many people say that, and I would say it's true about us, too. We've learned more about God in the valleys than we have on the high places and hills in the sunshine. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey. I'm Bob Lapine. We'll spend some time today exploring how a husband and wife can draw closer together and become one as they walk in the valley and in the path of suffering. Stay with us. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Wednesday edition. Anybody who has ever been to one of our Weekend to Remember Marriage Getaways knows that on Friday night, as we're getting underway, we spend time talking about the common potholes that can derail or destabilize a marriage relationship. And I think there are some things that are pretty standard, pretty common, that can cause a marriage to wobble at high speeds. And we begin the conference with a message that um, is really about... Five threats to your oneness, five threats to your marriage, five threats to your marriage going the distance over your lifetime. One of those threats is uh, a failure to anticipate the unexpected trials that come into a marriage. And it's not a question of whether unexpected trials will come into a marriage, but how do you respond when they do? Because all of us are going to hit them, aren't we? Well, if you think about it, uh, the vows are built, the traditional vows— in sickness and in health, in financial success, and in also being poor. Mm -hmm. I mean, the basis of what we promise uh, when we establish the marriage covenant is that we're going to take the storm head on. We don't know what it'll be, but we're pledging to one another to not quit, but to keep on loving, keep on believing, and um, make our marriage go, go the distance. And we are taking some time this week to talk with your wife, Barbara, welcome back to Family Life Today. Thank you, Bob. Uh, we're we're going to talk about some of those valleys and dark places that the two of you have walked together in 40-plus years of marriage and how you've not quit in the midst of that. And what Barbara's done is uh, she has um, taken the past almost 10 years to complete a book to wives called Letters to My Daughters, The Art of Being a Wife that is designed to be what it is. It's an older woman stepping into the life of a younger woman with sage advice, with seasoned advice, with the advice that comes after four decades of marriage. And uh, I love what you've done here because, uh, honestly, uh, there's a good number of books out there about being a wife, and there's a lot of fluff. And it's kind of how-to, but not really tied into the reality of what women are facing today. And the way this book is constructed is you end it with this subject that Bob's talking about here, the subject 
of suffering. And I guess I'd have to ask you, is that because of what you and I have been through in 40, almost 44 years of marriage? Because we have been through some dark valleys together. Well, that's why it's in there, because it's been an integral part of our marriage relationship. It's in there because I think most brides, most young women, get married with some what I call fairy tale theology. They get married thinking that everything's going to be great for us. We're not going to have difficulties. Yeah, there'll be some uncomfortable moments, but we're not going to really have hard stuff, and we're going to we're going to be great. We love each other and everything's going to be great. And for those who are Christians, like you and I were when we got married, we also start our marriages out thinking, you know, we believe in God. So if we do it God's way, it's going to all be good. We're not going to have any hard things. And that was how I started our marriage, thinking A plus B equals C. If I obey God and I do these things that are in the Bible, then God, therefore, will give us an easy, nice life. So do you have a new equation now? If it's not A plus B equals C, what would you say to a young wife who says, well, if it's not that, what is it? Uh, there's a lot of algebra. <laughs> <laughs> Some calculus and, and I don't little know geometry. algebra very well, so I can't even give you the formula. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, and we're laughing, but um, it's the hard stuff of life. This is a broken world. There is a heaven, and it's not here. It's not now. Mm-hmm. God came in the person of Jesus Christ to give us an abundant life now and help us face these hardships. But it's like the uh, the funeral you and I participated in earlier this year, uh, a dear couple that we loved greatly who uh, buried their the body of their 15-year-old son. It's unthinkable. Mm-hmm. The grief of losing a child. No couple standing at the altar about to say their vows to each other can even fathom mm-hmm. the grief the loss, the agony, the darkness of the valley. And yet there's a lot of our listeners who are in it right now Mm -hmm. or who are about to go in it or who have been in the valley and they've come out the other side and they're nodding their heads. And one of the things I've heard you say before, Barbara, is knowing that those valleys are ahead. You don't know when they're coming. You don't know where they are. It, It could be months, it could be years before you head into one, but the time to prepare your marriage and the time to get ready to walk through the valley is not when you find yourself in it. It's uh, while you're still walking in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. And I think that it also illustrates that the importance of building your marriage today, because we don't know how many days we have. Our days are all numbered, but we don't know what the last number is. And so that reminds us that today is the day we need to focus on. Today is the day we need to live as if it were our last, even though that's hard to do uh, in a practical way. But we need to focus on making our marriage all it can be today, focus on getting to know Christ today, focus on growing today, so that when those hard times do come, and they will come, because Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, period, done. You will have trouble. Mm. And we don't like that. I never liked that verse. always kind of wondered why it was even in there. But it is because he's telling us the truth, that we will have trouble and we will have difficulty. So the best way to prepare is to live each day on purpose and to live each day with focus and intentionality in your relationship. You don't prepare for the storm in the middle of the storm. 
I will never forget a Green Beret who came up to me at one of our weekend to remember marriage getaways way back when we started family life uh, years and years ago. And he came up and said, Dennis, as a Green Beret, we practice what to do in a crisis over and over and over again in training so that when we were in the crisis, it was second nature. We knew what to do. And I think what people need to look at is look at the Bible as the training manual. In fact, at this funeral that we went to of this uh, 15-year-old young man, um, an older man came up to us as we were at a table afterwards talking with some folks. And this gentleman came up and he said, I really appreciate what you had to say in the funeral. He said, uh, you quoted the scripture as being the source of life and perspective in the midst of a dark moment like this. And he said, I love what someone shared with me years ago, that the Bible is an acrostic, B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. I like that. Basic instruction before leaving earth. We need to know how to live now in light of eternity. And as a married couple, you have to know how to live together. And we've been through some hard things in in our family, some difficult challenges. And it's true, Bob. Husbands and wives do not suffer the same. They do not process grief in the same way. We're different as male and female. And I'm so glad that Barbara uh, has this chapter in her book to coach women to know how to view suffering, how to view the valley in their marriage and not lose heart, not lose hope, but to not give up. Sometimes in a marriage, Barbara, we are plunged into a deep valley where it's the kind of uh, darkness that we've talked about here, burying a child, or I, I know for you and Dennis, the loss of a grandchild years ago was one of those deep valleys. For a lot of wives, the valley is not as deep, but it's kind of a shallow, prolonged valley, you you wouldn't necessarily even call it suffering, but it's just a general discontentedness about life and where you are, and it drags on you every day. If a wife is in that moment where she's going, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what mm-hmm. I thought life was going to be. It's not what I thought marriage was going to be. I thought having kids would be more fun than this. Mm-hmm. What does she do in that moment? Well, first of all, I want to say that that, that is suffering. It's a, just a different kind of suffering because I think that is a common experience for many, many women. I think a lot of us go through seasons of life, whether it's because of hormones or it's because of the season that our kids are in. I remember a season like that for me in the late teen years before we became empty nesters. And I remember being so exhausted every day. I think there's a cumulative effect that a lot of mothers feel, it just kind of builds. And so by the time you're in your 40s or pushing 50, there's this general fatigue with life. And I think that is a kind of suffering because we do live in a broken world. And that is a difficult thing to deal with because it affects everything about you. It affects your marriage, your kids that are still at home, uh, your perception of yourself, your perception of life, your enjoyment of life. And so I, I think that those really can be called kinds of suffering. So the answer, and I don't want this to sound like a, a pet answer because there isn't a pet answer, but I think the bottom line is 
continuing to believe, God, that He is in control and that this too shall pass. Those were long years for me, and I remember to having conversations with Dennis wondering, am I ever going to feel normal again? Am I ever going to feel like I used to feel again? Or was that just for my youth, and that is gone, and it will be gone forever? And I think a woman can feel real insecure about that. And I think men can too, because men can go through those things too. But I think it's more common for women. So I think that um, continuing to believe that God is at work, continuing to believe that He is with you. Um, there are a lot of passages in Scripture where God says, I am with you. And so He does that repeatedly because He wants us to remember that He is with us. But I think helping yourself remember, reminding yourself of what the truth is about God and His Word and what He says about you as a person, that He loves you, nothing is too hard for Him, and that He will never leave you and forsake you. And this is a season, and God will use it for good in some way. We don't always know how He's using it. I don't know how He's used a lot of things in my life. I can't look back and describe it to you. But I believe that he has used it for good in my life. So it's pulling back and looking at the big picture. I describe this as as watercolor painting in my book because one of the things about creating a painting is you come up with an initial sketch and you've got to decide where the horizon line is and what's going to be your focal point. And so often when you're doing a painting of any kind and even a sculpture, although I don't do that, but I think the same principle is true with any kind of art, you have to pull back. So one of the things that's important about doing a painting is you walk six feet away and look from it or maybe even farther. And you see the whole more clearly when you're away from it. And so the same is true in our lives. We need to pull back, remind ourselves of the big picture. God is in control. He still loves me. He's working good in my life, even though I don't see it or feel it. And I don't know what the outcome's going to be. And I can trust Him. And I think the message is, don't quit when it gets hard. Our temptation is to want to run away when things get hard or when things get difficult, um, to escape from the pressure, escape from the pain, escape from whatever it is that you're feeling as a result of the suffering. But God is saying, no, stay there. I'm with you. I won't abandon you. And I'm going to use this for good. So my encouragement to wives in particular is don't give up and don't quit. Don't quit on your faith. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your man, because God will deliver, He will come through, and He will show up. And back to the motif or the illustration of uh, watercolors, I've watched, Bob, I've watched Barbara create um, paintings, and it's fascinating for how she shows off light. Now, you'd think that'd be pretty simple, but to a a non-artistic person like me, it's fascinating how you use dark colors to show off the light. And what Barbara's actually talking about here is, I think, that God allows the darkness. God allows the valleys. He allows the disappointments, the unmet expectations, those things to come into our lives to create some contrast that will call us to trust Him. Because frankly, if everything went our own way... We wouldn't need Him and we we wouldn't wouldn't, trust Him. We wouldn't need God. Mm -mm. And we could live our whole lives just being, quote, unquote, happy. Well, you know what? That isn't going to happen. (laughs) You're not going to be able to live, quote, unquote, a happy life. But but I do think there are a lot of wives who, when they are not happy, Mm -hmm. they're in a prolonged season where 
just haven't felt happy for a while. They start to look around and go, okay, how come I'm not feeling happy? And who's the cause of this? And guess who's the closest person there <laughs> to take the blame for, I'm not happy. It's got to be something he's doing. If, if he was doing his job, I'd be happy. Do you think that's right? Do I think it's right that she's thinking that? Yes. Well, no, it's not right that she's thinking that. Is it accurate that she might be thinking that? Oh, I think it's common. Yes, but it's not right. But it's not right, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's very easy to blame somebody else. And that's one of the hard things about marriage is that it's so easy for both of us, husband or wife, to blame the person that's right there because they're handy. And it's real easy to find fault and say, well, if you only... My life would be so much better. But that's not really what the reason is. The real reason is is that God, because He's our Father and He's a loving, kind, gracious Father, is so patient and He's saying to us, you need this right now. This will be for your good for right now. I know you don't like it. I know it doesn't feel good. But I've got purposes and I've got plans for you and you will be glad in the end. And most people who have been through suffering, whether it's shallow, small things or really deep, tragic things, can say on the other side, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. But I knew God better. I came to know Him better as a result. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. I've heard so many people say that. And I would say it's true about us, too. We've learned more about God in the valleys than we have on the high places and hills in the sunshine. I just want to read a couple of passages just based upon all Barbara's talking about here. And if you're going through a hard time, I'd like to recommend the bestseller, the Bible, and the book of 1 Peter, which was written to a group of people who had been scattered and who were followers of Christ. And they were called the diaspora. They were Scattered saints having to represent Christ in cultures that punish them for Well, it. and they weren't just scattered, because we tend to think of scattered as they're just living in different places, but they'd lost homes, possessions. I mean, they had really experienced some difficult traumas that, that we face today when houses burn down and we go bankrupt and we lose everything. So that puts a little more context in what these people were living in. They were refugees, not mm-hmm. just scattered, but yeah. refugees. Yeah. So, so I just want to read what God wanted to say to some folks who were going through hard times. Just listen to how God coaches and gently nudges people who are in the valley. First Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. But listen to this conclusion to this passage. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So you hear the Scripture calling us to have the right perspective of our valley. Don't just look at it from a human perspective. I know I've mentioned it twice in this conversation, but it still resonates within my soul. 
how else can you make any sense out of the death of a 15-year-old boy? What's the human perspective that can explain that to a mom and a dad and uh, two brothers and a sister? There's only one book that can do that. There's only one God who defeated death, who is in charge, who is in control, and can be trusted. Okay? So, wherever you are, maybe pull out this book and read 1 Peter chapter 3. And then, across the page, go look at chapter 4, verse 12. And listen to what Peter says here. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. (laughs) I got to stop there because I think we as human beings are really odd. We think when we get married, there's never going to be a valley. It's in the fine print of the marriage covenant. You're going to go through testing, through trials. But listen to this, verse 13 of chapter 4. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. The, the Bible so calls us away from our temporary thinking, from how I'm feeling right now, and it's calling you not to live by feelings, but it's calling you to faith. Are you going to believe that that's true? Are you going to trust that God does know what he's doing? And as a couple, will you allow the things that are coming at you to bind your hearts to his, first of all, to God's, but then secondly, to one another and not give up? And as Barbara said, not quit and not toss the towel in. We're talking to people right now who have secretly or maybe verbally threatened divorce to their spouse. I mean, it's, it's commonplace in our culture. This is the biblical way to look at suffering and the biblical way to run the race all the way to the finish line. Well, and what I've heard both of you saying throughout this is, first of all, trials are coming, so be ready. And the way you get ready is by learning how to trust God in in the sunshine so that when you're in the valley, you've already learned what walking by faith looks like. You don't wait to get to the valley to learn. You don't, you don't uh, wait till the storm comes and it starts raining to go up on top of the roof to fix, to fix the leak. To That's fix right. the leak. And then the second thing is when you're in the valley and the circumstances are pressing, you have to pull back, step away from the painting, get the bigger picture, and counsel your own soul mm-hmm. with what you know is true in the sunshine. Mm-hmm. Preach it to yourself in the mm-hmm. in the shadow, uh, and that's how Jesus walks through that with you. So a wife who finds herself in a season of suffering, whether it's the mild malaise we talked about earlier where it's just discouragement or whether it's a... Uh, a significant period of suffering, she has to uh, she has to counsel her own soul and remind herself of what's true and hang on to that. And she needs to to realize that God wants to use the hard times for the good of her marriage. It's not just for her good or her husband's good or for the betterment of some circumstance, but God really wants to use these difficulties 
to help them as a couple, a husband and a wife, grow closer together. We suffer differently. We handle things differently. But that's a part of what God wants to do to help us become more one is for me to share what I'm feeling when we're suffering and for me to listen to Dennis share what he's feeling or when he doesn't share what he's feeling, to trust that God is at work in his soul. And as we go through that experience together, it bonds us together more than on days than when we're not struggling. And what I'd have to say to that is I wish at this point I could reach through the radio, whether it's a, a, a phone or a computer or your car or in your shop or wherever you're listening, and just put my arm around you and say, oh, we have such a shallow view of love. Mm-hmm. We think love is is like the movies depict it, to a couple walking off in the sunset arm in arm with the soft breeze and the music swelling and, you know, uh, people applauding. The reality is a lot of love is learned in the valley where two people aren't feeling the same thing, where two people aren't finding a lot of romance because there's no room in the valley sometimes for romance. It's where two people learn how to really love because they meet the God of love in the valley and they begin to understand that he loves them and that's what they're supposed to reflect to one another. I think there are a lot of wives who are going to really be helped as they get a chance to read your reflections on um, how God uses suffering in a marriage relationship and in a family, how God has used it in your life as you've gone through seasons of suffering. You write about this in your new book, Letters to My Daughters, Mm -hmm. and we've got copies of the book in our Family Life Today Resource Center. You can order a copy from us online at familylifetoday.com, or you can call 1-800-FL-TODAY to get a copy. Again, go to our website, familylifetoday.com, and look for the book, Letters to My Daughters by Barbara Rainey. Order online or call to order 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Now, as we approach the start of a new year, we're asking Family Life Today listeners, those of you who are regular listeners, and those of you who have been impacted by this ministry in 2018, we're asking you to join with us and help us begin 2019 in a strong, financially stable position. We've had some friends of the ministry who have come to us this year and said, we'd like to make available matching funds to encourage your regular listeners to make a year-end donation. So every dollar you donate is going to be matched dollar for dollar with money from this matching gift fund. And we hope to take full advantage of that. We have not hit the threshold yet. So if you're a regular listener, today's a great day for you to go online or to call and make a year-end donation. Our website is familylifetoday.com. Our phone number is 1-800-FL-TODAY, 1-800-358-6329. If you make a donation today, we want to send you a thank you gift. It's a copy of the Like Arrows movie that Family Life produced earlier this year. It's a feature-length film. It was in theaters back a few months ago. It's not available for purchase yet, but the DVD is our gift to you when you help us with a year-end donation. So we'd love to hear from you today. Your donation will be matched dollar for dollar. You'll get the Like Arrows DVD, and you'll be partnering with the Ministry of Family Life today as we go forward. Again, donate online at familylifetoday.com or call to donate at 1-800-FL-TODAY. 
And be sure to be back with us again tomorrow when we're going to talk about parenting. We're actually going to take some calls from some of our legacy partners and interact over themes from Dennis and Barbara's new book, The Art of Parenting. They'll be here along with Family Life's president, David Robbins, and his wife, Meg. I hope you can be with us for all of that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.